Good morning, friends. Would you please turn with me to the Word of God as we read from the book of James, James chapter 1, verse 1, and then we'll jump to James chapter 2 from verse 1 all the way to verse 13. James chapter 1, verse 1. This is the Word of God. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also come in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judged with evil thought? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promises to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the holy law and yet stumble at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart 
be all pleasing to you. For you are our rock and our redeemer. In Christ Jesus. You will excuse my voice. I had a croaky voice since yesterday. Um, now, for those who don't know me, my name is Abby, and I have the privilege of being part of the leadership team here, and I play the role of one of the pastors and my uh, colleague, Paulos, who was playing guitar there. I love our church. We are so blessed in so many ways. So blessed with people who come from all over the world. So blessed with people with various gifts and talent. So blessed with children. If you were here last Sunday, you will echo that, that in other places where they don't yet have children, and we have children, we are so blessed. Above all, we are blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We are rich in Christ. And as we said yesterday, with those who were at the prayer meeting in the morning via Zoom, a prayer meeting that was led by Janice, and she said, we want to do our best for the Lord. We want to be the best we can for the Lord, who has tremendously blessed us. And with all these blessings that we enjoy, there are so many things that we need to guard ourselves against. And one of them is that what is coming on the screen. No, the other one. <laughs> that will be a mistake. Absolutely. This. Did I do it deliberately? No. We need to gather ourselves against favoritism. If you go back then, that's why we want to focus this morning on Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Because he's the one that helped us to guard against favoritism. Back again to favoritism. We live in a culture that is captivated by outward appearance. And in such a culture, it is often easy, even for us Christians, to show favoritism, which is also partiality or discrimination or exclusiveness, even within the church. Now this is a very, I have to confess, a very uncomfortable topic, particularly for me to speak. 
born because he's part of the whole counsel of God, we have just to navigate and learn and see where the Lord takes us. Because at the end of the day, we are not immune from the danger of treating people in different ways according either to their outward appearances, circumstances, gifts, status, popularity, position, you name it. And if we are honest, we all have encountered favoritism in one way or another. Some of us have benefited from that. Others have suffered for that. And only when we are victim, sometimes we condemn it. But if we are beneficiary of favoritism, we go mute. And needless to say that this topic has been a thorn within the Christian church for many years. And it's not also that different even today. If we are honest, as I said, we are all prone to showing one way or the other favoritism, whether consciously or unconsciously, inwardly or outwardly, publicly or privately. But James, used by the Holy Spirit, comes strong and say to us what is coming on the screen, basically. Stop favoritism. Stop showing favoritism. Why? And how can we Stop that in our way of life. Now, the reasons might be obvious to all of us, perhaps, but the practical ways of dealing with these need and must continue to be thought of. And so I was reflecting on this passage. And one thing came to my mind, we live also in a, an age of uh, practical matters. We want everything to be practical. Give me what is practical so that I can deal with that. And we become sometimes impatient with uh, what we can call the pure doctrine. But in the Bible, too often what we found that uh, sections which deals with uh, practical matters in life uh, are preceded by uh, sound teaching that will lead uh, to practical ways. And so here, in the book of James, uh, although it's not that obvious, uh, but underneath, uh, there is a great teaching about uh, Jesus, which the theologian will call uh, Christology, that is underpinning the way of dealing with favoritism. And so we want to uncover some of these hints that 
James is providing to us so that they may help us in dealing with favoritism in our lives. And so number one is this. Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord of glory. In other words, what James is already saying here, favoritism is and consistent behavior for those who confess and who believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Lord of glory. It is inconsistent to hold to the Christian faith at the same time showing favoritism. Let's spend a little bit of time on this. Jesus Christ is Lord. What James seems to be saying here, if Jesus is our Lord, then this levels each one of us. For if Jesus is our Lord, we are servants, all of us believers. We are servants. And so equal. And then there is no distinction to be made on that basis. In fact, James, James himself, who made a journey, at one moment he wasn't believing in Jesus. And he was the half brother of Jesus. And then he moved from a state of unbelief to a state of belief. And the game changer there was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to him, he was convinced that this brother of mine he is truly the Lord and the Savior. Now, he could rightly have been would have introduced himself to these readers by saying, James, a half-brother of Jesus. That would have been cool. Because, by the way, he loves the term brothers. It comes too often. But when he introduces himself, he goes to the term, I am a servant. In other words, you and I, we are all equal on this level ground. Again, if we stay on that, Jesus is our Lord. If he is truly our Lord, then how can we possibly become judges of others? That what we found in verse 4, unfortunately, they have been becoming judges of others. What is he saying here? If you make distinction between uh, uh, people based on what they look like, you are no longer a brother or a sister in Christ. You're becoming a judge. And let's face it clearly. We many a time are prone to judge people based on their past, not on their potential. And even the Lord Jesus Christ tells us in the word of God about that. In fact, the church, right at the beginning, early church, 
also encountered this problem. Remember, Paul was coming to the church, but then what happened? Everybody, because they knew his past, they said, no, 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 we should not welcome him here. Thank God for Barnabas. Otherwise, we would have missed all things which Paul wrote. The other thing, if we believe that Jesus is the Lord of glory, then that changed our perspective because think about it. He is now sitting on the right hand of his father as the Lord of glory. But before even he came to earth, he existed in glory with his father, before his father, and then did something unthinkable, laying aside voluntarily his prerogative of the glory, adding something that he wasn't before and came here. In other words, what James is saying, if our dealings with people we are showing special attention to those who are thought to be important. Let us be challenged by the example of our Lord Jesus. He was important. He was and he's still important and the Lord of all. But if he acted on the basis of who was important, whether himself or others, he certainly would never have come to earth to die for us. But he came so that he might identify with us and save people like you and me, people with no earthly importance whatsoever. That's our Lord. And if we still stay there before we move, I'm going to quickly on that number two there, which uh, those guys are ahead of me. We stay there on Jesus Christ is Lord. What James is saying here, we need to follow his example as well. Because as the Lord of glory, he also went and mingled with the poor and also was so interested with the oppressed people, the despised, and doing good, teaching them, and even dying for all of us. That is to say, in the way we deal with each other, Jesus Christ is the common denominator. Or to put it differently, if someone comes to us, if he's a Christian, we accept him, because Christ lives in him. But if someone comes to us, he's not yet a Christian, we accept him too, because Christ died for him. That's the dominator common. I was sharing on Monday a sad incident I had in Peter Heed. Peter Heed is Peter Head. God started doing something in that church to bring people in the church. And if they are, because some, some of them, they follow me, they know this. I'm not, it's not a criticize. And that church, we used to go, all of us in suits and everything. 
But then the Lord started bringing people who did not dress like us. And all I had is like me who were bringing these people. One of the people said to me, if this is the kind of people you are bringing to this church, then stop it. And it was not only in our church, but the church across the road, the same phenomenon started happening. The Lord started bringing people, and the minister got the same row. Sad, isn't it? I hope and pray that this will never happen here. Because we are a welcoming church. And I hope that people will never go home weeping because they felt not welcome. But the people will go home weeping tears of joy because the Lord has spoken it to them. Number two. If we believe, this is what James is saying. If we believe that God is gracious and that his grace is extended to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, then there is no place for discrimination. The key verse there is in verse 5, where he is saying, God has chosen people. Now the choice involves grace. The choice involves grace. And this grace is something that we do not merit. And God has chosen the poor because he has the plan, a plan through them so that the whole church might be strengthened. And let me put it simple in this way. If we all believe that all we are and all that I am and all that I have and all that we have all is of grace, then we are all on a level ground. You hear me say many a time, how are you? I'm fine by the grace of God. I mean it. Because if any Paul worked hard, one of the greatest apostles, he said, he worked hard. Hey, but not I, but the grace of God. And so if you come to a place, you begin to say yourself, huh, why am I where I am? Why am I doing what am I doing? Why, why did it? this beautiful wife has to cope with me for 32 years? It was hard, you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> and so I can't take that for granted. It's the grace of God that she stands with me for 32 years. And I pray that that lasts until the Lord calls me home. Why am I here? Am I special to be one of your friends and a pastor? Whenever we think of who we are, our souls marvel at saying, why would God choose me? And it comes down to this answer. Glory be to him for his amazing grace. Number three. 
if we believe that sin is serious, but also know that uh, the Lord of glory will forgive any sin we have committed, then uh, showing favoritism uh, will be us uh, easy to deal with. What struck me in that section is uh, the view of James. He doesn't take uh, favoritism as just uh, something of the society or inconvenience. No, he has a higher view of sin. Look at verse 9. He's saying, if you show favoritism, you commit sin. But then throughout his letter, he also shows that any sin we have committed can and will be forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. He takes sin seriously. In fact, as Eugene Peterson say, the church, just like a hospital gather under one roof, uh, many people who are sick. The same with the church. The church also collects sinners. Outside the hospital, eh, there are still sick people there, but maybe their illness have not yet been diagnosed. And so the church is not a place as I come here, everything is perfect. No, we are sinners saved by God's grace. And he says, in the church, the difference is sin is confronted, diagnosed, and treated. And so here we are. Whatever sin we might have committed, including the sin of Showing favoritism. That too can be dealt by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if we have sinned, what do we do? Well, we go to the Lord Jesus Christ and he forgive us. And we are determined now not to go back the way we used to live. And with regard to favoritism, it means begin to show the same attitude we have been showing to those we feel important and are of our same league now to those we have neglected. And so we are beginning to show this kind of love which governs anyone who has been forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to detail. He calls it here the royal law. And when you dig love as the royal law, it's become very profound and sacrificial love that we need to show. Last but not least, if we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back and he is coming as a judge, 
that changed our all perspective in our relationship with others and dealing with others. It struck me that James put favoritism in the context of divine judgment to come. Look at those last two verses. He doesn't hold his words elsewhere when he talks about the Lord coming. In fact, he is saying to his people, don't think that this is something that is in a far distance or a myth or a theory. The Lord is coming back. God willing, next Sunday, I will dig more into this as we gather. But let me say here, this, in other words, putting favoritism in the context of the Lord coming, then favoritism, showing favoritism, is not a light thing. It changes the whole perspective. But the judgment, we should not fear that to begin with. Because the judgment that he's talking about here is not about whether we will say we'll be saved or not. But this is the judgment I shall hear next Sunday, God willing, is the judgment about uh, what we say, how we act, and what will be our reward on all that. As it is put elsewhere in the Bible. In other words, how we live now, our lives count. Are we living lives worth of example in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? But let me end with this word of comfort that we found at last in that passage. Mercy triumph over judgment. To me, that's an encouraging word. To me, that's a comforting word. Because uh, it takes us back to something uh, very, very important. In other words, what is telling us is that we need to think uh, where this mercy has come uh, to life uh, in our lives. And I could not find a better place. You know I love old hymns. There's no secret about that. And so we need to go back to the hymn that was sung at the beginning. I cast my mind to Calvary. But not that. But fixing our eyes to Calvary. In an old hymn. Which brings these words. That at Calvary. That's where mercy was great. And grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me, and there my burdened soul found liberty. At the cross, that's where the level ground is for all of us. It doesn't matter who am I, how I speak. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what is your nationality. It doesn't matter whether your accent is posh 
or just a wobbly. Like one day I was in a meeting, and, uh, and this is true. And in a meeting, and then I spoke, and I heard someone saying, There's, there, there isn't even a tease in his speech. And they all laughed. But I thought, fine, at least uh, I can bring the gospel, even within the lack of tease in my ear. <laughs> you know? It doesn't matter what your size of the body look like. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter where you are. Whether you are black or white or brown or yellow or whatever color. The level ground, friends, is at Calvary. That where mercy was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied for me, and there my burden soul found liberty. You see, when you begin to think about the cross, you begin to forget about uh, what other people are saying about you. Let them say, focus on Calvary. And this is what uh, our sole passion as a people of God here, as we are a warm, welcoming church, and from all different nationality, let our mind be cast on Calvary. No wonder the writer of this hymn, after spending many years without thinking of Calvary, and now he has become a Christian, he was going to teach a Bible at a Bible institute. These words came, and the first stanza of that word, that song, this song here says, Years I spend in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Let me urge you, my friend, whether you are here or you are listening at home, if you are not yet come to think of Calvary, you are losing a lot. And I encourage you to think of Calvary and come to the one who died there. Because the one who died there is none other but Jesus who is now the King of glory, the Lord of glory. And when you think and you come to him, you'll be shown mercy. You'll be shown grace. And in return, all of us who have been shown that comfort and that mercy and that grace, we will then go and show Love, comfort, grace, and mercy, and not favoritism. May the Lord bless his word. Amen. Let's have a moment um, to just be silent and uh, before we come to the time of remembrance.
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the joy and the peace that we find being in your presence. And so we pray that you help us to be those people who are caring and as we care for one another in a way that will continue to honor you. Help us to have our relationship with others and the way we treat others be based on who you are and all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand with me? Already at the beginning of our service, Todd in his prayer took us already to the thought of remembrance. But let us take time in silence before God to remember all those who have served and died in wars for peace, for our peace, and for our freedom. And then pray for peace that is still fragile in the world and for those who work for peace, for the victim of peace, civilians, refugees, and all those who are brutalized by violence. But above all, as we remember, remember the Lord Jesus. He gave to us all who paid the greatest sacrifice of all. Let's have a moment of silence, two minutes.